Hello and welcome to this episode of OPI Talk. I'm your host, Steve Hilliard, and my guest today is Mike Gentili, CEO of Chicago-based Independent Suppliers Group, the world's largest dealer cooperative in the business supplies industry. Never short of insight or comment, Mike is one of the most experienced executives in the US office products industry and is a vocal advocate for collaboration and change. I recently caught up with him for the big interview that will appear in the huge September issue of OPI, which commemorates our magazine's 30th birthday. Here's an extract from that interview. So Mike, yeah, give us a, a synopsis, bullet points of what um, you know, ISG looks like now in uh, the middle of 2021. Well, Steve, right now we have 794 members, 26 new members in 2021. Uh, we did lose some members in 2021 due to attrition and uh, unfortunate uh, merger and activity that uh, that occurred with uh, with Staples uh, and some Office Depot. All that, ISG is considered a big tent. We have shareholders as a cooperative, access members, small to mid-sized members that aren't shareholders, IS Contract, which is our furniture contract furniture group. Intech is our managed print services technology group of distributors, base supply centers, and Epic Business Essentials. So we do over 500 million in direct buy with combined revenue of 6.9 billion. And how would you say that sort of trending, if you were to look back, you know, kind of year on year, obviously you've got the pandemic uh, effect to to try and figure out, but you know, is, is the underlying trend one of, um, of moving forward and growing? Yeah, I mean, the, the membership count is somewhat linear. Uh, obviously, the direct buy, uh, you know, our, our big year, we did about 540 million. And uh, with the pandemic, we were down about 18%. Okay. But, we're, but we're coming back now. Um, yeah, the, the, the purpose of that merger, you know, uh, well, well, several purposes, but, you know, a, a couple of the big ones were, you know, to reduce sort of redundant operating expenses across the three groups that came together and to sort of leverage dealers' combined strengths. To what extent would you say, you know, those two primary objectives have been achieved? The merger occurred in July 2019. So we just celebrated two years. And it's been an interesting two years. Uh, we had a change in, in leadership when Mike Madger moved on to SP Richards and when they had a pandemic. So we had a couple of um, instances uh, that we had to uh, pivot. And the group did pretty well during the merger. Everyone believed in it. It was done for the right reason. And we had the right people in the room negotiating it, which helped. So we merged two operating systems uh, created a group of close to 800 members. We reduced, we took about a million dollars out of operating expenses. And that was with reduction in headcount, uh, reduction in headquarter expenses, and creating synergies in other areas. So about a 42% reduction in combined operating costs. We have seen recently, you know, the, the, the news or emergence of an initiative, which some would say seems to be a bit of a, a splinter group, uh, supply chain investment group, SCIG. Um, you know, what, what's your understanding of what that group of predominantly larger dealers is aiming to achieve and, and you know, what impact will that have potentially on, on ISG and the bulk of your membership? One wonderful thing about the independent dealer channel that I learned when I came into it is they're independent, they're creative, they're entrepreneurial. Um, they're always thinking, are there better ways of doing uh, something so that we can be more competitive? 
And then the other end, they're independent. Um, it's sometimes trying to keep the frogs into a in a wheelbarrow, as they say. <laughs> and um, so at the end of the day, um, we, we feel uh, confident that the objectives that SCIG has, if anything, would complement ISG and not be conflict, not, not be a conflict at all. And we've had those discussions and I'm, some of them are confidential, obviously, uh, but we're confident that uh, any initiative they do, there's a good chance that it would help the entire membership within ISG. And as we say sometimes in our business, a rising tide will raise all boats. How has COVID, uh, in your view, um, impacted the overall landscape of the industry and in particular the independent dealer channel? And I, I don't want I don't want people taking this the wrong way, but COVID, um, even though it caused significant personal and professional angst uh, for so many people, unfortunately, it was a bit of a wake up call in our industry in terms of expanding our product line that we go to market with. I mean, ISG alone, we added 17 new suppliers. We did it because we had to. Mm. There was a, a sense of urgency. Our members, they were, they were facing with a situation in April or March of 2020 where no one went to work. It was, you, you couldn't make it up. It was like a movie. No one went to work. Well, if they're not in their offices, they're not using the stuff that we sell. And we knew where they would find alternate methods of procuring that. And we quickly had a pivot. Uh, dealers pivoted their e-commerce systems. We helped. We had numerous uh, webinars on how to do that. They pivoted their delivery and service requirements. They pivoted their outside sales assets to provide more inside sales uh, capabilities and service those their, their customers more efficiently and effectively. So people did what they had to do. And then we as a group said, we need to do everything we can financially to help our members. So we accelerated our rebate distributions. We, ex we extended payment terms, terms uh, 30, 60 days with the support of our suppliers to help with cash flow with our members. Um, I wanted to talk about, um, about, about Epic. How's it trending? And um, what could we look forward to from Epic um, as we exit the pandemic? Yeah, Epic Business Essentials. Uh, currently this year, we got additional 31 new dealers to participate. Uh, so we have well over 270 members uh, participating. We added 19 supplier partners. We've never gotten, uh, we've never received support from suppliers, but they believe in the model. So we have 19 suppliers that are financially supporting it. And we've added 157 accounts. We have been able to, with the financial support, we're enhancing our order point platform. So it's a hybrid platform. Uh, we're the only one in the industry that has a centralized order entry platform that now we can go to market just like Staples and Depot goes to market with one platform and uh, orders that are received into that platform that do not fall within the contract dealer's geography will be systemically sent to a servicing dealer. And that is a hybrid model that we're implementing and going live with the next month or so. And that'll help um, 
that would be like Epic 2.5. And that, that's something we definitely knew we had to do. So uh, we're still very committed to that. And we want to work with the wholesalers on that because we think there's an opportunity that we can help reduce some of their, um, their supply chain expenses by eliminating some of the costly drop shipments that they do on, on behalf of dealers and let the Epic order point system provide that service. Give that order to a local, de a local dealer so that they can provide local service to that account with representation. Does the sort of fairly substantial increase in uh, participating dealers that you've um, you just mentioned uh, does that impact the sort of harmony within the group of um, of affiliated dealers once you get start getting lots and lots of dealers in one particular metropolitan area does that become more, more challenging to share the business out fairly? You know, we thought that would be an issue. Um, when we first started national accounts back at, at IS. It really isn't because the, the dealer that owns the account, um, they, they feel threatened by their national competitors that are providing local service. And they value the local service that their fellow dealer can provide. As long as we select the right dealers to provide that service, they're perfectly okay with that. And they've been very supportive of that model. Back in 2018, when it was just IS, um, Epic Business Essentials had sales of about 50 million plus. And I think you said at the time it was scalable to, to a $300 million business. Obviously, we've had COVID again, but um, you know, well, is 300 million achievable? Uh, and what sort of timescale would you put on doing that? If, if we're able to effectively implement this hybrid model and then grow within the healthcare area, that is very achievable. We needed the right tools to grow in that vertical. Uh, and particularly with what's happening within Staples and Office Depot, I think the timing couldn't be any better for us to scale Epic Business Essentials. You, you just uh, mentioned technology and, and you mentioned it earlier in the interview. Um, and, and again, also in a recent um, uh, OPI Talk podcast, I think you said that um, technology is an area where dealers are still inadequate compared to uh, the larger competition. Has COVID you know, changed that sufficiently? You, you've, you've referred to um, you know, some of the successes you've had in pivoting dealers, uh, e-commerce systems, but you know, it's, it sounds like there's a lot more to be done. The independent dealer goes to market with a content load on their front end system that is determined by the wholesaler. The wholesaler decides what the dealer will sell to their end user. Well, that's not how Staples and Depot go to market. No one tells them what they're going to sell. They put, they have content that is based upon end user demand, not what the wholesaler wants them to sell. The wholesaler only wants to put items on their content that they stock, which makes some sense, but not total sense. We did a survey with our major manufacturers and asked them, how many SKUs do you syndicate to um, Staples, Depot, and Amazon? And they came up with a number. And we asked them, how many SKUs do you syndicate to the wholesalers? Well, the number was 30, 40, 50% less because the wholesalers didn't want the other SKUs because they don't stock them. That's good. That madness has to change because the delta of those SKUs end users have a demand for. They want to buy them. But if they don't see the SKUs on the dealer's website, they think the dealer doesn't sell it, can't get it. Well, you've got a, you've got a situation where one of your, you know, the 
two wholesale primary two primary mainline wholesale partners is now run by a former colleague of yours uh, who's listened to you talk about this for for some time so are we going to see some change yeah i am very optimistic um that that um sp richards recognizes the dealer's digital dilemma and they're going to work with us and other parties within our channel to enhance the content that our members will have on their websites to make available to their end users. So let's talk about the industry landscape. Um, you know, you've, you've referred uh, on numerous occasions so far to um, the wholesalers, how they performed throughout COVID. And I guess more importantly, um, you know, what, what differences have you seen over the last 18 months, two years with a change of ownership and change of leadership at SP Richards and also um staples and um yeah the ascendant tie up via, via sycamore i don't think mike maggio anticipated acquiring sp riches and having a manager through a pandemic but i give them a tremendous amount of credit for uh having done that and continuing to do it both wholesalers have been strained uh, constrained with supply chain issues um from uh particularly with imports yeah that has affected their service levels and line fill they're trying to get out of it now slowly, and that has affected uh, our members. Clearly, um, some would say that the uh, acquisition of Ascendant by Staples Sycamore has, they have not delivered uh, many of the promises that they felt they were going to be able to deliver. And part of that is, I think, is pandemic related. Um, and probably some uh, resource issues that um, the Senate does not have. Uh, they're trying to resolve that. Uh, they implemented the Ascendant Carton program, which our members have taken advantage of. At the same time, SP Richards, they are exploring uh, other types of programs and synergies that they can offer to the independent dealer uh, that uh, dealers are going to be able to evaluate. At the end of the day, as I've said, I would much rather have a duopoly in our industry with wholesale choices than a monopoly, particularly if it was a monopoly that was owned by our members' largest competitor. Um, let, let's talk about Staples and Depot. Now, what's your view on what's the uh, likely outcome there? I think we know we, we have more pieces of the puzzle that we didn't have before. And we kind of know what the puzzle's going to look like when it's all put together. Um, and that would most likely be that uh, Sycamore is successful in acquiring, acquiring Depot's retail and integrating that into their, uh, in, into their operation. ODP will become a B2B distributor only, standalone, public entity. Um, it's kind of like history repeating itself because I used to work for a company that was just strictly B2B. Mm. Easy. It was strictly B2B and... Um, well, you had a wholesale business as well at one point, but... Well, we got rid of that, yeah. you know, but when I joined it, you know, we, we, we were strictly B2B. And um, when you strip out all those retail SG&A expenses, you can operate that rather efficiently and make some money. Um, and they probably will want to go in that direction. 
and they see that there's a uh, strategy of evolving more to the procure to pay technology platform uh, managed uh, by some very talented people uh, with Prentice Wilson there, uh, different type of B2B uh, sales cycle, uh, but clearly um, uh, something that's worth exploring. So they could come out of this um, uh, more focused than they are right now. And that would be an issue for um, for the independent dealer channel. It, it, it could be. Uh, depends on how they uh, impl- how they execute and what their target market is. Um, who knows? It could create some synergies for the independent dealer channel with them. Okay. What do you understand to, um, Varys to be? You know, D- Depot's model, which is uh, not really been spoken about yet, but like you say, Prentice and uh, some other very uh, high-flying, um, high-salaried individuals have joined joined the team there. What do you understand that model to be, and um, to, to what extent should dealers be cautious of it? It's interesting, uh, not to digress, but when I was at Boise, we were kind of well ahead of our, ourselves at the time. The technology didn't catch up or wasn't there, and that is an integrated supplier model, going out to your enterprise accounts with a total ERP procurement system that reduces the number of vendors you do business with, streamlines your procurement, uh, increases, um, uh, decreases your procurement costs and probably lowers your overall cost of goods, whatever those categories are. And um, clearly the technology exists today. Sticking with Depot, uh, and, and you've, you've referenced it earlier on, um, the, the uh, acquisition strategies of Office Depot, whatever it will be called next year, and uh, and still staple, staple sycamore, let's call, them, let's call them federation strategies for want of a better phrase at the moment. Um, to what extent do those continue to, you know, be of concern to you as a head of a, you know, largest dealer group in the industry? We're not going to be able to uh, prevent uh, people that own dealerships that may not have a succession plan or may have some balance sheet challenges to explore options for themselves and their family. What we can do as a, as a, as a dealer group is try to continue to grow uh, and increase the services we provide to help all of our members. Um, at the same time, what else can we do as a dealer group to create synergies within, within, the, in, within this entire industry? Um, as much as I consider Staples and Depot competitors, and they are solid competitors, um, I view Amazon as everyone's competitor. And uh, I think those two entities do as well. Yeah. So there may be some opportunities where we can all work together um, and achieve some, some benefits. Um, well, what's your view on, um, on WB Mason? It's probably the largest player in and from an independent perspective that we haven't uh, referenced yet by name, um, what do you know of um, how Leo and the team there have managed to survive during no. the, this COVID period? No. And what do you, you think is their future? I, I have known Leo for most of my career. And uh, I competed against him um, aggressively when I was at Boise and our members compete against him now. Uh, I have the utmost respect uh, for him and his team. 
And they've done a tremendous job building that brand and growing that business. Obviously, COVID has been a significant uh, blow to their top line, and they've had to pivot as well. Depending upon they, how they view their succession plan uh, will determine, I think, what happens with that company. It's so creative, so entrepreneurial, taking that company and having it ingested by a Staples or a Depot. I don't know what would happen to that brand if that if that mm. if that became a um, uh, an option. Well, you do. You're just being too polite to say it. They well, we saw what happened with some previous acquisitions, but but at the end of the day, um, some of these uh, Staples and Depot have um, they've made acquisitions and they've left them alone. How long that will continue? Don't know. Mm. Uh, let's talk about vendors then. Um, last sort of major sort of group within the the channel um you, you mentioned that they've come up on supporting um epic business essentials you know what, what what's been the vendor position and support level like for uh, for you as you've um, t- taken isg through the you know, t- two years of integration and um you know what, what can we look forward to from your relationships with vendors moving forward i i must say i have been extremely pleased with the support that our key suppliers have given ISG. They, so many of them, stepped up during the pandemic to provide the support that we've asked them to provide. They gave us extended terms numerous times to help our members cash flow, accelerated rebate payments, uh, continued to work with us on developing new products so that we would have uh, the material to be able to disseminate it quickly into the hands of our dealers. They understand that the independent dealer sells brands and value their brands. And we're gonna continue to focus on that uh, at ISG um, and work with the suppliers that are dedicating the resources to our members and not taking resources away. And I mean resources by field resources in-house resources, marketing resources. Um, It's not all about rebates. It's also about, do you pay attention to the independent dealer? And many of the key suppliers, they've done that. And I'm very pleased with them. And we're going to recognize a number of them during industry week. Thank you for listening to this episode of OPI Talk. For more of the interview with Mike Gentili, make sure you check out the September, October issue of OPI Magazine. This content is only available to OPI subscribers. If you are not already a member of OPI, please go to our website, opi.net forward slash memberships. I hope you'll join us soon for another episode of OPI Talk.